Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Well, hello there and welcome back. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am your host, Matt Williamson, but I have a feeling you already know that. I'm sure you listened yesterday and the day before. We've had some good conversations here over the last couple of weeks. This thing's starting to really pick up steam. Things are going well. I hope your uh, the last 24 hours has treated you well since we spoke last. And let's, you know, the, over the last two days, we talked a lot about, you know, preseason action. And this is kind of how my mind works during the season is by about this time, noon on Wednesday, especially during the regular season, you know, preseason is a little, you know, not quite the same, obviously. But this is about when I start to really program my mind going forward, thinking about matchups, teams that are going to meet each other. Um, you know, that doesn't really matter as much in the preseason, obviously. But you know, when I was at ESPN, I always hosted, for majority of my time there, I hosted a chat at noon on Wednesday every week. And it was very popular, and maybe some of you guys would stop by. Um, and that was like my turning point. You know, that was like my exact midweek was from that point on, it's time to think about next week, you know, and as opposed to recapping things. So, you know, when I did the podcast there, we had a pretty set format where Monday, recap games, Tuesday, power ranks. This is during the season. Wednesday, Wednesday was kind of an odd day, but there was always so many guests and you know, reporters we could bring on or whatever, which sort of just manufacture a show on Wednesday. And not they were bad shows, obviously. Um, Thursday, you would talk about the Thursday game and then some slight previews of what's coming up for the weekend. And then Friday, we would pick games, um, you know, and preview every game. And I'm going to steal that format, you know, much as Ross Tucker did. And, you know, I had something to do with it. Um, but I'm not going to do it exactly that way. You know, one thing that always bothered me, and it didn't realize it bothered me as much as now when I think about things, is I really wanted more than just Monday to talk about all the things that I saw on Sunday. You know, all those games you see, um, it's just so hard to digest and have a really good opinion on what is it. I mean, Thursday game's already done. Monday game hasn't happened. So up to 14 games, depending on bye weeks, I felt like I had to talk intelligently on by Monday at noon. And I feel like I was selling you guys short. You know, I mean, this I would. So what I want to do, and I tell you this because today's kind of an odd day for us too. So it's sort of programming notes and whatnot. Um, so I want to recap all the previous action, sort of like we did um, this week, all over the course of Monday, over the course of Tuesday. So we can go a little deeper into each game, uh, really you know, go back and watch things and you know, not sell you guys short at all. So then therefore, during the week, I think Wednesday is going to be Power Ranks Day. And during the preseason... I already gave you one power rank, so you can go back and find that. That won't change 
you know, it hasn't changed after, you know, one week of action. I will definitely do at least one more Power Ranks right before the season. You know, the, the final preseason one. It'll probably happen after week three. You guys might convince me to do one in between, too. But I just don't know how much things will change. I'm not going to overreact to the preseason. But, you know, injuries and things could change those type of things. And then Thursday, I think we'll do much like we did on football today, is preview the Thursday game pretty heavily, uh, talk about more notes around the league. There's always something to talk about, of course. And then Friday, we're very much going... Actually, Thursday, we may do a little bit of previewing the Sunday games, too. Two or three of them, maybe the big matchups, as well as the Thursday night game. And then Friday, I want to recap the Thursday game, which, you know, something we did as well. And we'll pick all the games on Friday as well. You know, just me and you sitting here chatting. Uh, maybe your, uh, your bookie will be listening in or, you know, your fantasy team will be listening in. But obviously some overlap here uh, for all sorts of NFL deliciousness. But we're just basically talking... You and I about about the league, and if you want to get more in depth about a specific team, your favorite team, your team's biggest rival, the teams in your division, go check out the Locked On uh, Empire. You, you know the whole group. You know we're getting almost every team now has a host and a daily show. So I urge you in a great way to go check those out. Those guys are doing great work. And again, at some point, I will have those, those uh, hosts from their specific teams on the show with some regularity as well. Some more sort of programming notes. And those of you may have noticed, you know, on Twitter last night, um, I'm at Williamson NFL. I don't know how active you guys are on Twitter, but that's really the best way to find out everything I'm doing from a bunch of different formats across the web. Couple podcasts with different varieties. This one's, you know, really my baby right now, and my daily one, of course. Um, but also some more articles and you know radio appearances and those type of things. And I'll be doing the Steeler post game show again tomorrow night. I'll be down in Heinz Field. But you may have noticed, and this isn't really my style for you guys that are just starting to know, get to know me. But since I left ESPN, which was the first of the year. My Twitter following was a little over 49,000. And, and I honestly don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. You know, and I'm not bragging. I know that's a big number and it's impressive and it's very humbling. Um, but since then, I think I lost some, I gained some, a little bit of a new following. Some of you guys may not have remembered me from back then. But it's gotten to the point now where I'm, and it's been like this honestly for like two months. And I only look because I'm very goal-oriented and I want to get to 50,000. I mean, I can sit here and sugarcoat and be like, I don't really care, but I want to get to 50,000. I want to get to 50,000 Twitter followers. And I'm like 50 away. So last night I kind of made a push on online and, and uh, got it boosted up. We probably got another 100 or 150 last night. But it's just kind of a personal goal of mine. Uh, and I'm sure it'll happen in the next day or two. But um, like I said, I'm goal-oriented. And, and you probably won't hear about my Twitter following until I get to – 100,000 after this milestone, but just something I'm throwing out there so you get to know me a little better. Um, Another little programming note is through all that Twitter conversation last night, I realized the hashtag practice squad is kind of phased out and not being used anymore by the folks at the old uh, podcast. And there's still a large contingency of you out there that are practice squad members, you know, that are followers of Myself and Robert Flores and Ross Tucker and um, 
favorites. So I urge you, maybe we'll bring that back, make it my own. You know, if they're not going to use it, I will. You know, and I used to call you guys my tackling dummies. I like that too. So a little feedback on that. You know, maybe we will hashtag you guys up. And I'm, and I gotta be honest, don't tell anyone, but I'm not quite sure how hashtags work. Twitter can be a smidge confusing, and even though I do have a big following, sometimes I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing. Um, but hash, let's do a little hashtag practice squad and make that our own. I, I kind of like that. So, like I said, there's not a ton of news and notes today, um, but we do have one thing to mention is we have a new sponsor and a great one. So it just goes to show that people are paying a lot more attention to the podcast, the podcasting network, and SeatGeek is now sponsoring the Locked On um, podcast. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that is a big-time corporation that's doing tremendous work out there. So they are our new sponsor. So for those of you who don't know about SeatGeek, you're, you're missing out. I mean, it's the best way to get seats to any event you want to go to. I mean, that's just pretty obvious. I feel like these guys, are, you, know, you should already know who they are. You know, what's really cool, though, is we have a promo code. It's L-O and then the team name, if you use Steelers or whomever. Um, but mine is NFL. And if you go to LO, if you use the promo code LONFL, you get a $20 rebate on tickets with that promo code. I mean, so how great is that? I mean, it's like 20 free bucks just by typing in, what, five letters. It's the best thing ever. Um, so when someone enters your promo code LONFL, when they purchase the, fi- the first ticket, they won't see a rebate, and then they will receive it in the mail. So you'll get a check for 20 bucks in the mail after you buy your first tickets. Um, it's a great deal. You know, it, it's also a very mobile-friendly um, situation now. You know, they're, they're very easy to use on your mobile device, on your iPad, your iPhone, of course. And so there you have it. I, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, you're going to go to football games this year, right? You're going to go to college games. You're going to go to preseason games this weekend. Check out SeatGeek and, and download the app and use our promo code. All right, let's get into some football talk. Usually the front four is right at the beginning, but, you know, we talked about some other stuff. So, my friend, Adam Schefter reports Marcel Darius is facing a four-game suspension for another violation of the league's substance abuse policy. My Lord, what is going on in Buffalo? Like, I feel like every day we get together, you and I, and... I have to report some more bad news about the Bills. You know, this guy's hurt. Their second-round pitch, Roger Aglin's going to miss a year. First-round pick, we knew about the shoulder, but now it's, he's going to miss 10 games or whatever. We, we talked about the Tyrod Taylor contract, and that's an interesting one. If you missed that, go back and check that out. Uh, yesterday we talked about that. But th- this defense is very good at corner. The Ryan brothers are going to be uh, coordinating it. Which, for better or worse, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Rex. I'm not a big fan of Rob. They they have very good corners that don't probably get the credit they deserve, and that allows them to be very aggressive with their blitzes and whatnot. But they have to be because they don't have any good pass rushers. And really, their whole front seven right now, they their first three picks were front seven pieces. Darius is the best of the group, and he's out four games. <sighs> Who's that leave? I mean, Jerry Hughes played a ton of snaps last year, and is a good player. But what else do they have in their front seven? You know, they're going to have to scheme it up like crazy. I, I know Kyle Williams comes back. I'm a fan of his. 
But boy, I mean, I'm having a hard time coming up with anything good coming out of Buffalo. And, you know, this is a perfect example of a team that would even maybe drop a little bit in my power ranks if we were to do them now. And I caught a lot of heat from them. I think I had them like 27, 28. I don't see this team as an eight or nine type of win team right now. But I could be convinced. I mean, the offense, I think, has a chance to be good. It's well coached. I, I do like Tyrod Taylor. If Sammy Watkins looks really good in week one. That would go a long way with me. But, boy, I mean, nothing good coming out of Buffalo basically the last five months. So, in Denver, we talked about this quarterback situation a little. First of all, I just put in an article out for the score talking about how, you know, five rookies that impressed. And I got some heat on Twitter that, you know, you didn't put Paxton Lynch in there. And I talked about it a little bit with you guys that, I didn't think he was super impressive. You know, I, I like the player. Uh, I think he's going to be a good draft pick. I, it makes a lot of sense. Bring him along slow. I think he fits what Kubiak does well. He's got a lot of tools. But just his first showing, I wasn't blown away. He never really drove the ball down the field. He made some nice throws, but they were short and intermediate that most quarterbacks should make. I thought at times he looked kind of gangly and lost, you know, like a young pup. Um, but apparently the general public is more blown away with that performance than I am. So maybe I'll go back and watch that. But the news here, you know, for our, our you know, for our uh, front four is Gary Kubiak says the quarterback competition remains, quote, very close. Uh, and that it's a two-way battle between Mark Sanchez and Trevor, Trevor Simeon. It's been very close at Kubiak. We've worked very evenly, and I think each day they come out here and try to show me somehow they should be the guy. And ultimately, we've got to pick one. Well, yeah, you got to pick one. Um, I still think Sanchez is the leader in the clubhouse. But boy, he is what he is at this point. And that's turnover prone, bad decisions, not very accurate. But I guess he's better than Simeon. And Simeon is smart. I think he has a much better handle on the offense than Sanchez or especially Lynch. To me, that's one of the things most going for him. And spent the year in the room with Peyton Manning that had the rub off and a smart dude from Northwestern. And so I think above the shoulders is what they like most about him, which is great. I mean, I, I, I'm not, that's not being critical because their defense is so good that if they can turn him into Alex Smith light, then they're going to be hard to play against. You know, it's not the ideal situation until Paxton Lynch is ready. And the whole situation, to me, when you talk about quarterback situations for the present, for 2016, Denver's was as bad as any. It's as bad as Cleveland's. It's as bad as San Francisco's. Um, but it, there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel with Lynch. Uh, and Simeon, to me, ideally is uh, – I originally looked at him as a three – and now he's proving to me that I think he can be a quality two in this system. He's also a pretty good athlete, and they do like design quarterback movement, you know, doing bootlegs off play action, that type of thing. And I think he'd, all, he'd execute all that pretty well. Um, but the, the moral of the story is Sanchez is going to turn the ball over a lot, and I know Peyton Manning did last year, but that's really a rough formula when you're not going to score a lot of points you're reliant on a great defense, and your quarterbacks turn the ball over a lot, that, I mean, that's a very, very fine line for, for error, for victories. So it wouldn't shock me, I guess, if Simeon is the week one starter. 
in the end, what worries me, and you would think Kubiak and Elway, two former quarterbacks, um, wouldn't rush Lynch in. But I bet by week four or five, there is going to be an outcry to get the first-round pick in the game. And if he's not ready, that really worries me. So, you know, I don't love what's going on in Denver right now at the quarterback position for the short term at all. Somewhat sticking in Denver, let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. You know, we, we, we just saw the, we almost saw a Hall of Fame game. We saw the, uh, the, all the inductions and all those things, and that's great. And I'm a big Hall of Fame fan. But the, the contributor finalists for the Hall of Fame were named, and Pat Bolin was not one of them. I think he's a Hall of Famer, you know, and one of the, I urge you to go check my Twitter timeline last night because we were talking about, I, th- I think this all started because somebody put out there that Pat Boland didn't get, is not a finalist, Terrell Davis isn't in yet, there's been a ton of talk about him, is he deserving, and they thought both would go, who is more deserving? It's basically the crux of the conversation, and I think Mr. Boland is more deserving than Terrell Davis. And frankly, I think Terrell Davis belongs in the hall of very, very good. And then some other people brought up some backs that, you know, hey, rank these guys right there with Terrell Davis as Hall of Fame worthy. And they were players like Ricky Waters, which he may not have been the most likable guy, but imagine what he'd be doing in today's NFL and the way he caught passes. Um, Tiki Barber. And you guys might be like, Tiki Barber? He's not a Hall of Famer. His numbers are crazy. His numbers are really, really good. Um, Edron James, he was up last year. I think Edge will eventually get in. Of that foursome, I think he is the best football player of them. But I think the four of those guys are all pretty similar with Terrell Davis. And people threw Fred Taylor in, too. You know, So a lot of people, if you check my timeline, ranked those four. Some said none should go. Some said all should go. They ranked them in all different ways. So sometimes I'll throw a couple names out there and say, you know, who's most Hall of Fame worthy? And if they don't come back, you know, if it's scattershot, if, if people have mixed feelings all the way through, I think that's somewhat telling that, you know, that those were good comparisons. But back to the, you know, the contributor finalists. Uh, Bolin was not one of them. I think he belongs there. Paul Tagliabu was one. I guess he goes. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from commissioners, but it seems like, if you're a commissioner for a long time, you go to the Hall of Fame. Is that it? I mean, okay. I mean, I guess he did a good job. I, I think he did a real good job. I mean, I think Pete Rozelle is probably the greatest commissioner of all time. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm missing things on Tagliabue. I'm sure he was great. But it just seems like if you're the commissioner for a long time, you go to the Hall of Fame. Okay. I mean, uh, you, you obviously had a profound impact on the game, good and bad. And the one that's interesting, though, is the other contributor finalist is Jerry Jones. And he is very outspoken. He's on one of the most high-profile teams in the league, obviously. Everyone's eyes on Dallas, which is exactly how Jerry wants it. It makes it a real good fit in that giant spaceship they play football in that he built. And I guess he belongs. You know, I mean, there's, there's the argument. I was talking to Bill Williamson yesterday, and... You know, he's a believer in, if you can't write the history of the NFL without mentioning these, this guy's name, he should be a Hall of Famer. And I guess Jerry fits that, you know. He, he, but, you know, he was also instrumental in building 
really one of the best teams I've ever seen. That Emmett, Aikman, Irvin, with the best line I've ever seen, team was unbelievable. And does Jones deserve great credit for building that team? Absolutely. And hiring Jimmy Johnson and playing as dominant a football as you're going to see and the head-to-head battles with the the Steve Young-led Niners that were loaded and also had rings galore. That was great, great football. But part of me goes, they only won twice. You know, as good as they were, they broke up and Jones and Johnson couldn't coexist. So that's a little bit in the negative column for me, too, is, yeah, you build a great team, but you have this great team, then what'd you do? You know, like, you should have won more. You know, they, they great team, don't get me wrong, but... I guess he goes. I mean, I mean, I guess Jerry Jones is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I know a lot of people have high respect for him. And I think that he is much better and has stepped back a little bit as a uh, team builder. You know, they've drafted pretty well lately. You know, remember everybody getting... He, you know, he resisted the urge to not take uh, Johnny Manziel. Instead, he takes a guard. You know, that's not... Jerry wouldn't have done that 10 years ago, I don't think. You know, So I think he's learned from some of his brashness and let's build an offensive line and let's use a late first-round pick on Travis Fredericks and extend him this week to long-term deal. That's good football, man. I mean, that line is great, just like the one he had early in, you know, during that dynasty time. Great offensive lines make a lot of things go away, and I think he knows that. So I guess he's a Hall of Famer. I think Pat Boland is every bit as deserving. I guess Tagliabue should go too. Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on that one. But the loans, here's our, our fourth portion here of the front four. And like I said, it's kind of a short day for um, short day for news. So this is a good time to clean some of these up that I wanted to mention. Uh, Kenny Easley is the lone senior finalist for the Hall of Fame. I was a young guy whenever he came in the league. I was like six or seven. You know, I was born in 1973. But he was a great one, you know, on a team that wasn't a high market, big market team in Seattle. They were somewhat of an expansion team at that point. But he was kind of Sean Taylor before Sean Taylor. And people that I trust and my memories of him, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, a massive, massive impact player. Uh, some of you TD fans probably are going, well, what's the difference between him and Terrell Davis? Neither one lasted very long. They both were really good. I think Easley was better, you know, at a position that wasn't as easy um, to, to notice. So, yeah, I think Easley is a Hall of Famer. Great, great football player. One of the best safeties that's ever lived. Uh, we are going to do a couple of Twitter questions, though. Matthew Tremblay, at Matt Tr- uh, underscore Tremblay. Talk about Kevin White. He was expected last year, and no one talks about him this season. Where is he right now in Chicago? Love Kevin White. Love Kevin White. You know, when he was coming out, I liked him at least as much as Amari Cooper. Same draft class. Big, fast, strong. Julio type, big, fast, strong. Prototype, Dez. You know, that's who he is. Um, If you're asking me for fantasy reasons, I worry about him a little bit because he missed all last year. He, or if you're asking for immediate production uh, reasons, he missed all of last year, obviously, and he entered the league very raw. So, sure, he sat there in the wide receiver meeting rooms and got some mental reps or whatever, but, you know, he's basically a rookie. 
I think he has a lot to learn. So uh, he's going to do very impressive things. I wonder how consistent he'll be. So, you know, great player. I, I think he's going to be an NFL number one wide receiver. I would buy stock in him left and right, but I don't know that he's going to light it up in his first year. Um, Tim Sambor asked me, which running back will have the biggest workload in Seattle? This is interesting because I think CJ Procise will be the receiving back, and that's pretty much all he'll do. And that's a, that's a big role. They're going to throw a lot. They're going to play a lot of three wide receiver sets. So I think his role will be pretty steady from the whole year and maybe grow as the season goes and he gets a little bit more acclimated. He's a rookie. They love Christine Michael. And Christine Michael finished last season very strong. He's been a darling for a while now of a size, speed, sort of a prototype along the Kevin White you know, mold. I think he's going to have a big role in this offense. So I wouldn't rush Rawls back. You know, he's, he's still banged up. He runs so physically. I think Rawls is still the number one when healthy, but I wouldn't force him into action until he's absolutely ready. And I would use Michael to spell him quite a bit. So if everything's hunky-dory, I think ProSize gets a, a fair amount of snaps, but probably 10% of the carries. Rawls gets 55% of the carries, and Michael gets 35% of the carries. Something like that. Um, I don't know who the goal line guy would be. I guess it would be Rawls, but Michael certainly could do that too. You know, he's a big physical guy. He's fast. Um, he just it was very, very inconsistent and immature early in his career. But he's loaded with ability. I mean, he's an interesting player to me. Um, as usual, Seattle's got a lot of horses. You know, they. I'm really coming around on Seattle. Not that I was ever down on them, but they might be the best team in the league. Their defense is really good. I think it's the best defense in the NFC. Wilson's a stud. I like their receivers. What if Jimmy Graham comes back? I think the O-line gets figured out. So, as usual, Seattle's tough. Really tough. Um, who else we got here? Milkkin R-U-S. All right. Milkskin Russ. Mm-hmm. All right. Can Devontae Freeman replicate last year? He had a tough second half. Yes, he did. I don't think he's a true workhorse. I, I think he got overworked. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a mod Bradshaw plus. Uh, physical, low, quick, very good receiver. Um, but that offense last year, it was pretty much Freeman and Julio. And if Julio isn't 100%, then he got easy to key on. I think the Falcons' offensive line with Alex Mack will be better. I think the offense in general in their second year will be better. I think Matt Ryan will be better. Um their weapons, I think, will be a little better, too. That the... But they also have Tevin Coleman, and they love Tevin Coleman. So, will Freeman be an effective player? Yes. I think he'll get less of a workload. I don't think his numbers will resemble last year. I don't think he'll be as super productive as he was during his very hot streak or as super not very productive during the last few games of the year. So that's going to do it. 
Follow me on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. Let's use that hashtag, practice squad. We're going to take that over, make it ours. And go check out the other Locked On podcasts all around the, all around the network. You know, pick your favorite team, do a search for it. And this should be out on Stitcher soon. I'm, I was in contact with Stitcher. I thought it'd be done by now, but it isn't. So spread the word. We will talk tomorrow. Take care.